Blog Talk Radio. everyone and thank you for joining us tonight on Stop Child Abuse Now. We are on stand number 3128. My name is Dr. Nancy and I'm your host tonight and I'm with my wonderful co-host Ms. Kim Lakin and she is with us this evening. So grateful to have her here with us. Uh, If you'd like to call in and be a part of the panel, please feel free to call in at 646 595-2118. Again, that number is 646-595-2118. We would love to have you. And we'll begin with reading our mission statement. And if you, again, I'm going to say that number one more time for anyone that would like to call in. Not sure if I said it too fast. Number 646-595-2118. We have a single purpose at NASA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 312. I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy, and I'm with my wonderful co-host, Ms. Kim. Ms. Kim, if you can please read our wonderful guest bio, that would be great. Okay, I think she's actually the guest, bringing guests in. I will do that right now. Okay. Tonight's special guest is Ms. Kimberly Stapleton from Augusta, Georgia. When she was young, Kimberly was adopted by two loving parents. She says, in my early childhood years, my parents divorced, and it didn't seem to bother me at first. She went to live with her father, 
and thought she was in a safe place. But at age 14, she was uh, entering high school, and Kimberly was molested. She was alone. Kimberly had left her mom to go live with her father and over the road truck driver. Once I graduated high school, I started talking to girls and trying to help them get past things in their life as I was trying to get past my hurt and pain. In 2017, Kimberly was invited to be a guest on an internet radio show, and there she shared her testimony. After the show, the producer asked if I would have my own show. He felt that it would help others. So in July of that year, I started, in my own words, with Kimberly, I'm real. I had people reach out to me and thank me for sharing my story, as well as those I invited on my show, helped others. She stayed with the radio format for two years. In 2018, she started hosting her own event called Lay It On The Table with Kimberly Amarillo. In 2021, I started a Zoom group called Keeping It Real with Kimberly and the crew. It has opened up a lot of eyes. I'm truly loving myself and the space I'm in. Kimberly continues to help others, seeking, seeking engagement. Filled with gratitude, she plans to start a nonprofit this year dedicated to less fortunate parents. I, too, could have been homeless, she says. But God didn't plan it that way. What he did plan is for me to know that I'm not better than anyone, but I must trust his process for my life and not be ashamed of what I've been through. Wow. That that was powerful. Uh, I'd love to introduce our wonderful guest tonight, Ms. Kim Stapleton. Thank you for joining us tonight, Ms. Kim. Let me make sure her mic is open. Hi, Ms. Kim, could you hear us? Yes. I said thank you so much for okay. having me. I appreciate the invitation. Yes, thank you. Your mic was off, so I just turned it on. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, really looking forward to hearing your testimony, very powerful one, that is. I'm just going to go over the phone number one more time for anyone who would like to call in, who would like to support or would like to share any uh, words for our special guest tonight sharing her testimony. The phone number here is 646-595-2118. Again, that number is 646-595-2118. Ms. Kimberly, thank you again for joining us. Um, so you grew up, you're from Augusta, Georgia. Did you grow up in Augusta, Georgia? I was born and raised in Augusta, Georgia, but I also uh, claim Stapleton, Georgia, which which is the same as my last name, maiden last name at that, um, because that's where my father um, is from. And so I spent a lot of summers out there. And, of course, after I was um, molested, I did leave my father's house and went to stay with my grandmother for two years. So I'm born and raised in Augusta, but I also um, say by way of Stapleton, Georgia. Okay, that's where you grew up. You spent some time there. If you can um, just tell us a little bit about your story and, and really focusing on the earlier years. You said that you were adopted. Um, how old were you when you were adopted? Um, 
Well, the story behind that um, is I knew, first of all, mm-hmm. my biological mom and my my mother that raised me, their first cousin. And so when my biological mom got pregnant, she knew from day one that she did not want the child. So my mom um, told her, if it's a girl, I'll take her. If it's a, a boy, then, no, I don't want the child because I already have a son of my own. So um, once I was born, I stayed with my biologic mom. I, I was told in the hospital for three weeks. They kept me there. Um because of the paperwork and everything, instead of her taking me home. I was three weeks old when I went into the care in the home of my mom and dad that raised me. My birth certificate has no, only has their names on it. My biological mother and biological father's names are nowhere on the birth certificate. So everything was handled um, the way it needs to be handled. I found out, I found out at nine years old, I honestly remember sitting at the dinner table, and my mom uh, asked my son, uh, my son, my brother, was he finished eating, and if so, to go in the room because they needed to talk to me. And at that time, sitting at the, the dining room table, they told me that they had something to tell me because people kept saying, you look just like your father, you look just like your father, and they didn't want me to start asking questions like, why are people saying that? And that's when they told me that I was adopted at nine. Wow. Thank you for sharing that and being so transparent with your story. Do you remember how how you how you reacted at that time, getting that, that type of news? Um. I my question was um, who if they didn't mind telling me who my parents were, and uh, my mother really did not go into detail about my father. She went more in detail about my mother, being the fact that they're uh, first cousins, two brothers, children, and so her uh, reason for that was wanting me to really know that I was still within the same family. Mm-hmm. So I don't recall really having a ill feeling or anything about it because I was loved. Um, I guess because I was still in the same family, I didn't feel too misplaced or anything. So Mm -hmm. I don't ever recall having any um, depressions or crying spells or anything at that time. And I I know I have two sisters. Mm -hmm. Say what now? Two sisters from your biological mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, and the thing with that, my oldest sister, whose name is Cheryl, she lives here in Atlanta, she used to stay with my mother and father that raised me. She was in and out from their place to her mom's place to their place. And when my sister, middle sister, was born, my grandparents, the story that I received from several family members, and it all ends up being the same, is that my grandfather told her, you need to get your children and bring, bring get your daughter and bring her home because she has another sibling. And so when they took Cheryl out of the house with my mom and dad and Carolyn found out she was pregnant, that's when my mom said, okay, if it's a girl, I'll take her because she really wanted the presence of a daughter. Mm-hmm. So it was more so as I get older, I got older, it was more so for the presence of having a daughter than it was um, the love daughter. Yeah, that was deep. That was deep. 
I think, um, and it also sounds like, like you said, that you were loved and you were still within your family, even though there was this, you know, separation. Was it because um, your mom was young? Did she have support? This biological parent, mother. Well, honestly, I broke a generational curse as far as where I'm concerned. My biological mother, whom I I said her name is Carolyn, her mother, Mm -hmm. her grandmother didn't keep her mother. And so Carolyn's Mm. mom did not keep her. She grew up with my grandfather, who I grew up calling my uncle. And even after Mm -hmm. I found out that he was my biological grandfather, I still call him my great uncle. Um, But so that's how that happened. She didn't keep um, her daughters, my two older sisters, they ended up being raised by their father and their stepmother. I was given to her cousin. Um, I have a younger brother. I've never met him. I've only spoken with him by way of phone. He is in prison. And he, the only reason why she kept him is because she had gotten married and her husband said that he she wasn't going to send her son away. And so that's the only reason why she ended up keeping him. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now, um, so how was your relationship with your parents? And this is, you know, your adoptive parents, but these are your parents. You, how was your relationship around this time after you got the news? Of the of the screen um, behind the adoption. Um, every we we were good. Um, uh, you know, we lived as a family. My father, um, he was uh in the army, and I didn't get to travel and be an army brat because, um, by the time I got a certain age, he was stationed in Augusta at Fort Gordon, so he didn't have to go overseas and over here and over there. So I didn't experience that. But um, he, I mean, he did what he needed to do around the house. I use the word provider. He was a good provider, um, and he was good, you know, to my mom, to me and my brother. So we we did things together, visited family and stuff like that. Um, he just, he was not the greatest when it comes down to um, helping raise my brother or even building that close bond with him. And I know now it's because his father wasn't there. So he knew how to provide mm. and give you what you needed, make sure the house was good, but he did not know how to spend that quality time with my brother, and that was the reason why, along with other reasons that I'm not sure of totally, but one part is um, my mother just said she was tired of my brother getting his feelings hurt of wanting to spend time, so uh, they divorced. But even after the divorce, my father and I were – close to this, you know, to this very day, um, I just hate the fact that my bond or what what he did for me was more mm-hmm. than what he did for his own biological son. And so we kind of, mm-hmm. to be honest, we kind of bumped heads in that area because I told him, you need to be trying to have a bond with him more than myself, especially once we got grown. Mm-hmm. So he was closer to you than he was to his uh, son. He he did more for me, I would say, did more for me than he did his son. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, before I go any further, Miss Kim, my co-host, she's here with us. Um, I want to bring her in. I, I'm 
sure she may have some questions or comments. So, Miss Kim, if you can please join us, that would be great. Hey, Dr. Nancy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> no, I um, have missed a lot of it, a lot of the first part of Kimberly's story, but um, I'm catching kind of what the tail end of the part of what she has just said. Um, I have to say, Kimberly, that you have one of the largest friend panelists that I've ever seen. So you have wonderful friends on the line Thank here ready to support you. And um, yeah, so I'm sorry about your abuse and and all that has happened to you. I'm still kind of listening, so I don't have questions other than a couple things to kind of hit home a little bit with me. But you know, we're all survivors up here, so we can relate to a lot of things. But thank you for being so brave to come on and tell your story this evening. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm yes, very transparent. You. So if, if there's a question that you may think that's a little too deep that I may not answer, believe me, I will answer it. Okay. Perfect. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, you know, we, we're still in the earlier part of the um, story, Ms. Kim. You haven't missed anything. We were just talking about um, our wonderful guest, Ms. Kimberly. Um, you know, she shared that she was adopted and that her parents are, um, let her know this around age nine. And um, so we're just still in the beginning just how, how she processed that at the time for anyone who's listening and probably has to share that with their children uh, or is scared to share share it with their children. I mean, sometimes it's always great to hear how other families have dealt with and how they um, open the conversation. And so um, it doesn't seem like there was any animosity or anything like that. They were, she was kept within the family. It was, um, her biological mother and her uh, adoptive mother were family members, cousins, I believe, right, Miss Kimberly? You can yeah, correct me if cousin. I'm wrong. First cousin, yeah, first two brothers, cousin. children. Mm -hmm. yeah. May I add? So it just um, sounds like sure. Yeah. May I add, in, in God works in mysterious ways, but you just read in my bio that one of my events, I titled it Lay It on the Table. And as I'm sitting here listening to you go back over what I said, it came to me probably why the Lord sent me that title for my events because at nine I was sitting at the table when my parents told me that I was adopted. Wow. So there's a meaning behind, you know, we don't think there's a meaning behind something. Um, it was just giving me that was the meaning because I always kept saying why um, did I name my event, lay it on the table, and we have real food. We don't have hors d'oeuvres and stuff like the event we have coming up. We're having real food. So that just lets me know even then in 2017, there was a reason for God to lay it out the way he did because of the present day of what uh, Kimberly and the crew is getting ready to do. And so, yeah, that, that just hit me, so I wanted to share that with you. That was powerful. That was powerful. Um I'm going to share something with you, Ms. Kimberly. When I shared my truth of the abuse, the child abuse, sexual child abuse that I was going through, 
I was sitting at the table with my mother, and I shared it at the table. So when you first were talking about the fact that you shared it, you were at the dinner table sharing your story. That already sparked the light. My light already went up. And so when you just finished saying what you said, it just double went up. So, yeah, definitely God's working and doing his thing with you. Um, thank you for, again, for being obedient and sharing your testimony and help. I wanted yeah. to just um, get back to your story. Um, now, you said, um, did you notice your parents' fighting, tension, or anything like that prior to the divorce? I never um, noticed them fighting. I never knew they had disagreements. My my brother did. Um, once it was all said and done, mm. he told me that he used to have he used to overhear them in the room. They never did anything in front of us. Mm-hmm. And they, um, he said whenever they would have a disagreement, they would do it at night. And I guess they well they knew I was knocked out, um, so they thought he was asleep. So he heard a little bit and. One of the other disagreements they had was my mother wanted a new house. My dad didn't. And so we added on to the garage. And once we added on to the garage, to me, the house is nice. You know, I'm a child. I don't know any better. It was already large. It was so larger. And he said that was one of the things. Mm-hmm. And my dad later in life told me, and my mother said that was one of the things. I mean, I think it had to do with finances. So between finances, he probably said we weren't ready to move. She felt that we were. And then the fact that it was one Sunday we went to church. We we would go to church. My father didn't. And my brother said he wanted to go fishing with my dad. And he said, okay, well, I'll wait on you until y'all return from church. And when we got home, my brother ran to the fence and noticed my dad was gone, and he started crying and was saying, you know, he said he was, would wait on me, he promised. And my mother said that was her drawing point right there because she was just tired of him, you know, getting his feelings hurt. So if he wasn't going to be that parent and they had other issues, he wasn't helping raise, you know, my brother the way he should have been there in his life. She said she had just had enough. And so other than that, I no, I, I I've never seen or heard them argue. Hello? Hello? You know what? I don't know if we accidentally lost our Nancy, so she'll probably call right back in. Could you hear me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was muted. Could yeah. you hear me? Okay. So I okay. lost the last part. I'm sorry, you guys. I lost the last part of what you said. If you can just recap a little bit of the last part, that'd be great. Okay. What was the last part you heard? My my phone cut out, and then it, I had to call back in. So just give me a little synopsis of what you said. Okay. So um, what I was saying in the end was I never heard them argue. And what okay. One of the drawing points for my mother was um, that Sunday we came back from church, and my brother ran to the fence looking for my father so that they could go fishing, and he had left. And so she she was just done. She was tired at that moment, and she was like, that was enough. And she decided, and she went ahead and proceeded with divorce proceedings. Okay. Wow. So it's not like you saw any type of arguing because they always tried their best 
to protect you guys from seeing that what was going yeah. on. They kept the kids away from the the drama. It's not so in the house. You didn't notice any abuse or any emotional, physical, verbal. That you didn't notice any abuse inside of the home with your parents. I mean, because my father, even to this very day, he doesn't like to argue and raise his voice. And so his thing is when he gets to that point, everybody needs to go somewhere, sit down, and get out of his face. And even right. with myself, because I grew up being adopted and being molested, I, I grew up feeling like I always had to take care of myself. So I've always spoke my piece. And so the relationship that my father and I have, I can, I can really, excuse me for putting it like this, but I can really get with it. And so I used to get with it with him, and he would finally say, okay, Kim, say another word. So when he would make that statement, I, I knew, okay, you time is up, close your mouth. That's it. So, yeah. yeah. So, no, he wasn't the type. He don't like to raise his voice and argue, but if he, when he has to speak up, everybody needs to, like I said, find somewhere to sit down or get out of his face because it's not going to be good. Because he'll let you have your moment, and then when he's just like, okay, I've heard enough, it's over. It's done for him. Mm-hmm. For those that are listening and don't know what get with it is, can you break that down just a little bit? You say, say that one more time. Uh, for those who are listening and may not know what it means to get with it, you said just, to, you know, not to be rude, but I can get with it. What does that mean? Oh, I would, I would speak my piece, and I would read my dad, his rights. I would read my stepmother, her rights, meaning at the age um, of 15, 14, when I, was, mm-hmm. when I first moved in with my dad, and my, my father and I came in, and my stepmother was like, um, Queen B called you. And back then, Queen B was not talking about a good person like Beyonce. Queen B was like, you know, the bad person. That's how she felt about my mother. So she said, Queen mm-hmm. B called you. And my dad was like, what? She said, Queen B called you. He was like, well, what are you talking about? Just tell me who called me. I don't have time for guessing games. And she said, you know, I called Kim and Kevin Mama Queen B, and I went off. Mm-hmm. When I say I went off, I, I, I read her her rights. I told her about her mom, and I'm not going to tell you what all I said, but I, I took it there. And so mm-hmm. we ended up getting, my, you know, my dad told me to sit down and be quiet, so I did. But then my stepmother started coming towards me, and my brother always told me, you let nobody walk up on you in an argument. So we started fighting. Oh, you had a fist fight with your stepmom? Yes. Okay. At 14. Wow. Now, what was going on around 14? Because What happened around that age? When did this abuse take place? If you could kind of take us, walk us through that. That was at 14. Um, I, like I said, I had just moved in with my father, and um, my stepsister and I room was downstairs, and we had a, a three-level house, split-level house. So when you walk in, you were on the, the main floor, which had the living room, the kitchen, and the dining room, and up the stairs was the three-bedroom. So my dad, my stepmom, my brother, and my stepbrother's room was up there, and then my Grandmother and my aunt, step grandmother, aunt lived. They upstairs. So my stepsister and I, we were downstairs, which is also where the laundry room and the den um, and the deck and stuff was on the bottom level. And so my 
stepbrother would know when my stepsister wasn't home, and he knew if my brother was out with their friends, he would come in, he would come in early, and then he would come downstairs and he would climb on my back, and that's when everything happened. And I, um, the only thing I did was was in the band. My father, if he was in town, would pick me up, or an adult out of the house would pick me up. If the band member, the band director, which lived six doors up the street from us, if he brought kids home, it had to be two or more kids. So he always brought three kids home that lived in Woodlake. Nobody came by themselves. So when everything happened, I kept telling them the child was made in the house. The child was made in the house. They weren't paying attention. And the sad part is when I realized I had missed my cycle, I didn't know what was going on. So I called uh, aunt, which is also my godmother on my mother's side, and I asked her would she come get me and take me downtown. I needed to go downtown. And can't remember uh, why she didn't ask me any questions, but she she didn't ask me any questions. She took me and she dropped me off. And um, I went in to Planned Parenthood on my own, did the little test, came out. They told me I was pregnant, and she took me back home to my dad's house, and I told them what happened, and they just kept asking me, you know, where was the baby made? Where was who? Who did this? Who did this? You know, you want us to pay for this abortion by step? You're not going to keep this child. And I didn't have my mother to talk to because when I left my mother's house, my mother packed my clothes for me. She did not give me all my clothes, all my shoes. She gave me what she wanted me to have and take to my father's house. I got to my father's house and forgot I had left my toothbrush. So I told my dad I need to go back over there. He didn't want to take me, but he thought it was something big, so he put me back over there. And when I got to the door, do you know she would not even let me in? She opened the door with the chain on the door and asked me, what did I want? And I said, well, I forgot my toothbrush. She said, well, stand right there. I'll bring it to you. So when I got back in the truck, my father said, I thought you came over here to get something. I said, I did. I left my toothbrush. And he went off. He said, I could have got you a toothbrush, da 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 But the reason for me telling you, adding that part is because that was the last time I had ever stayed at my mother's house. I am 52 years old, and even when I lived out of town and came to Augusta, she never opened the door for me. So when it was time for me to get this abortion, she told my father she didn't have money for that. So... I couldn't talk to her. I just dealt with it by myself, overheard my stepsister and my stepmom talking one night while my dad had went back on the road saying she's just trying to ruin y'all marriage. She just, she don't want to try together. So I really, to me, I really had to keep my mouth closed in and not say what had happened. So the best thing for me to do was when I finished 10th, ninth grade, I told my dad I wanted to go live with my grandmother because he wasn't there a lot, and that was the reason for me being there. And, you know, on the weekends when he come in town, he could come through, pick me up, and I would come stay with him then. And that's what I did. I went to my grandmother's house, told her everything. Um, she said she would keep it to herself. Um, 
Yeah. So that's why nobody knew it was my stepbrother. So did you keep the baby? No. No, ma'am. I came to Atlanta and got rid of it. Okay. And this was your stepbrother. Wow. I'm sorry you went through that. That's, that's very, very hard. Um, how was your relationship with your stepbrother before this happened? That's a good question because um, when I was still living with my mother, I used to call sometimes if I didn't want to ride the bus to school or if I wanted snacks to take to school, I would call and ask for those things. So between my brother, my stepbrother, or my uncle, who you know, whoever was available would come and bring me the snacks, take me to the store, pick them up. I catch the bus, or they would take me all the way to school. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I noticed that my stepbrother. I remember this so well. I noticed that he was the main one coming to do it more often. So I mm-hmm. thought, okay, well, he's just you know, he's really trying to bond with me and be that big brother. Not mm-hmm. neither one of us knew that I was gonna live, end up living at my dad's house. And so I feel like once I moved in with my dad, I just felt like he felt that was his golden opportunity because we had kind of bonded like supposedly big brother, little sister. Okay. Yeah. So you would have never, could never see this coming? No, ma'am. Right. No. All right. So, um... We have a few people here. Uh, I want to check with my co-host, Miss Kim. Um, she has any questions first, and then we'll go down the panel and open the mic. Uh, if anyone has a comment or a question or encouragement, word of encouragement, that would be great. Um, Miss Kim, I don't know if I have any other questions. Still, just listening to your story, Kimberly, and. Thank you um, for sharing that. I'm sorry that had just been really hurt mm-hmm. coming from someone who you thought was your bigger brother and thought of as you know as a bigger brother for sure. But then to have that betrayal right. had just been really hurt. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Thank you. You're right. Um, yeah. Thank you, Miss Kim. Um, all right, so we're going to open the mics. Um, I don't know if anyone has a comment that they'll like to make. I'm going to call out um, the last numbers of the phone number, and if uh, if you don't have a comment, you don't have to say anything. Just say, uh, I don't have a comment right now, and then we'll move on to the next person. Um, I see uh, the number 3357. Do you have a comment? I don't have a comment right now. All right. Thank you, Philip. All right. I see the number 7523. Any comments and questions? Yes, uh, Kim, Ms. Stapleton. Yes. Just listening to your story is very uh, familiar. So I want to ask you, um, how did you push forward? Mm. Knowing that as someone you kind of had a, you know, a loving heart for you saw him as a big, a big brother protector, so to speak. So, so over the years, going to your being a grown woman, how did you 
push forward beyond it? How did you actually deal with it or, or heal from it? Well, um, I, I honestly, I didn't begin to really, really push forward until 2007. Um, from 1984-85 until that time, I that's why I was I was aggressive. I I just anytime someone spoke with me, I just thought they were coming for me. Um, I um, talk. I I didn't talk about it to anyone. Um, I didn't like being around him. Um, I was fearful and. So I just stayed with my grandmother. I kind of like stayed away from my dad's house as much as I could. And then it was like the first year to what I mm-hmm. kind of blocked. I, I was just on the go all the time. I was going to games, football games. And then, of course, this wasn't helping me handle it, but I didn't know what was going on. I thought that I was supposed to sex. So the first year I did a lot of sexing. Just, just being honest, I, I was with this boy. I was with this boy. I was fifteen, and mm-hmm. I was dating somebody twenty-five. I was sixteen, dating somebody twenty-five. 20. So yep. it, it really wasn't coping with it then because I couldn't talk. So I was kind of like numb, and I just thought, okay, well, if this is what happened, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So mm-hmm. when I graduated and I went to Atlanta Job Corps, that's when I started talking. Adoption was the first thing and main thing that I was talking about because I I don't like for anyone to feel rejected. And then when I get close to people, I try to hold on to them. And mm-hmm. so the one thing when my mother would speak with me, she would, would say, you have, oh, my gosh, I just separation issues. And that's why you try to hold on to people or you're in relationships longer than you should because you have separation issues. And so I really, during that time, Kevin, I guess I really wasn't trying to face it, although I know it happened, but I really wasn't talking about it because who could I talk to about it? I didn't have a mother. My dad was off on the road handling his own business, um, one close with my stepmother. My grandmother and I talked, but, you know, she gave me as much as she could, so the rest of it I had to just keep to myself. So. Right. When I really, really grabbed the hold of it and said, okay, let me let this out, I told my ex-husband because my ex-husband thought I was cheating on him mm-hmm. because sometimes it would feel nasty. And in the middle of us supposedly having a great time with husband and wife, I would jump and tell him to get off of me. And so when I finally told him, I, th- I thought I was releasing it then to the right person. Mm-hmm. But it later slapped me in the face When we got in an argument one day And he told me oh I don't think it was Melissa I think you wanted it mm-hmm. So then I felt like well Darren The person that I'm, I love and I'm married to I'm trying to open up to him And he slapped me in the face And so But I had to look at myself in the mirror And say girl you've been through worse You have two mothers And you're not close to either one of them You've been Melissa but you're still standing you have people that love you and know your heart, even though they may not want to. They know you have a good heart. So I had to, that's when I, I really had to say, okay, wait a minute. And then I have children of my own. By 2007, I had three children. 
So I had to make sure I was strong every day because people don't see me cry all the time. Even to this very day, people do not see me cry all the time. So when they do, they know something is very wrong. And I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, Kevin, but that's that's just what I have. Oh, no, actually, uh, you did. Okay. Uh, everything you're saying uh, really sounds familiar. Okay. That, that's, what, that's why I asked the question. And uh, thank okay. you for sharing this. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for um, for participating and uh, and being supportive. Okay, thank you for your question. Um, we have a um, one seven five three um, one seven five three number. Oh uh, yes, um, that's um, that's me, Don. Hi, Ms. Don. Do you have a comment or a question? Um, yes, I have a, a comment for um, Kimberly Stapleton. Uh, <clears throat> we have a lot of similarities in a lot of way, and you know, um, heard bits and parts of your story, but um, I have a lot to um, <clears throat> to yet to still talk to you about that. So. Um, I'm horribly sorry that you had to go through that, and it seems that you've come more than a long way. So other than that. Well, thank you, Don. And Don is one of of the members of the crew, Nancy Mm -hmm. and Miss Kim. And Don, but Kevin is as well. Kevin is as well. Don is one of our members that shows up all the time, on time, the first person. And when she speaks, you know, the commercial EF Hutton, everybody listen. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how we are with Don because we know, you know, she has something to say when she starts speaking because a lot of times she doesn't. So, Don, what I want to say to you is, you know, my phone is always available you if if you want to talk to me in private in person whatever it is that you feel you would like to get out but you're not ready to do it within the crew I'm always here mm-hmm. okay thank you so much Kim you're welcome thank you for sharing Ms. Dawn alrighty um, so sure. next we have uh, the number 5461 that's 5461 if you have a question or a comment, please join us. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. My name is Brianna. Um, everybody calls me Tiso. And I had a question for Kimberly. Miss Kim, um, your testimony is very powerful. I agree with that. I'm um, sorry about the background noise y'all at the gym, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Um, Kim, uh, to hear about your testimony, because I only know, I don't know, I, I've been friends with you for a while, but I, um, I I haven't heard, you have, you just, you have so much experience, so much you've gone through, and so much that God has brought you through and blessed you with, that sometimes it's just so hard to keep up, and um, <laughs> I say that you're probably, you're, you are the realest, one of the realest women, women of God, women just woman, period, when it comes to uh, helping providing your stories that I've heard about you helping your neighbors 
your neighbor's kids, uh, not even just to show what you have gone through, but I, th- I think it's so beautiful that you broke um, your generational curses. My question is, when did you get to the point in your life to where you said, you know what, I am tired of trying to carry everything? Literally, I know because I know you still carry things, but I, I know that before um, it took you a while to get to where you are now to find that balance of, okay, God, what do you want me to do because I'm tired, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I know it's right, you know, to help others, but so I'm really, really tired, and I just need a balance. How did you, when did you get to the point where you start following that balance to where, you know, I can be there, but I can't, I have to love from a distance kind of thing, especially with everything that you've gone through? Um, Thank you, Bree. Uh, I call her little sister, Bree. She's a part of the crew as well, but um, I, I'm, like I said, I don't cry a lot, but I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now, Bree, to be honest, and everybody else. I'm overwhelmed. I just had a situation before I got on, and I'm just being so open. Um, to, to tell you right now, today, you know, my, my son having his mental issues, my daughter in love was here. Long story short of that, today before, um, and she just left. I had to finally say, okay, I can no longer continue to save y'all because I'm doing it for my granddaughter. My granddaughter just left and went back home to her grandmother's house, and it has broke my heart, like crushed me. But I have two daughters that still need me. So I had to tell her, go go back home, and tomorrow I'm finding somewhere for my son to go because I can't keep giving and giving, and I tell people all the time, I can't help no one on the outside if I can't make sure the inside of my house is good. But everybody knows that, that really know me knows I have done everything in my power to make sure that my house is straight so I can walk in what I say. So tell you that that's how um, devoted I am to doing what I need to do because I just had to handle that situation um, five minutes before getting on this call. The other thing to answer your question is uh, two years ago, my mother, I love my mother dearly that raised me. I love her dearly. But my mother kind of like puts us on a calendar appointment when she will talk to me and when she will not talk to me. So in 2017, I did um, on my show learning how to let go of leftovers. And I was speaking of letting things go with her because I have to remember that it, if it's not in my control or in my reach, I have to let it go. So that was the first time I called myself doing it. But then, this is 2023, in 2021, I was sitting out in my car. I'd come home from work in November, and my mother and I had an hour-long talk right in my driveway over the phone, and I told her everything that she did to me and that I was tired. That was the biggest move I ever made in my life, to tell her I was tired, Bree. If I had taken in the things that my mother did to me, I would not love on women and try to help them as much as I do. My mother used to call me and tell me, oh, her best friend daughter is doing this. Her other best friend daughter is doing this. This best friend daughter bought a house. And I told her that day in November, I said, do you know you could have ruined me? Because you made me feel like I had to be in competition 
with my friends. But I knew better than to do that. So I told her there's a lot of damage that she did, but I'm okay now. And I said, if you don't want to call me, that's fine. I'm okay with it because I used to cry about it. So that's when I decided that I was, for that part, that I was fully done and had to let it go. I haven't spoken with my mother since my aunt passed um, almost a month and a half ago now. I reached out to her the day my aunt passed, Bree, and everybody else. She called everybody else back except for me. So Valentine's Day, she reached out to my kids by way of text and said, tell your mother to call me on Thursday. I'm going to be honest. Today is Thursday, and I still have not called her because I'm tired. Thank you for sharing that. Ms. Bree, did you have any other questions, Brianna? Any comments? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Jim. I was mm-hmm. going to say That's thank okay. you, um, Kim, for sharing. That was it. Um, thank you for sharing that with me. With us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Uh, we have another number here, 4030. Again, that number is 4030. Would you like to join the panel, have a question or a comment? Um, good evening, Kim. This is Ms. Sharon from the CAB. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I'm sure um, your story will help other people in their struggle. Thank you for just being willing to help other people. And just thank you for coming and sharing at our facility and being willing to be a potential volunteer with us. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Sharon. I really, really appreciate it. that you took the call and, you know, agreed and asked me would I like to come. Um, You just don't know. um, That that meant a lot because when you're out here and you're really trying to help people, uh, one of the things is I'm not big on cliques. I've never been. I have good friends and associates, but I don't believe in cliques because you never know what people need. And so a lot of times now you can't do this or do that if people don't know you. And for you to open up that door and say, yes, ma'am, can you come today at this time? Um, Well, tomorrow at this time, come on. I really uh, appreciate that. I really, really do. So thank you so very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ms. Siobhan. Mm -hmm. She definitely – help connect us so we really appreciate her automatically she thought of you and um and we thank her for that thank you Ms. Sharon all right we have um another caller here with the last number 1513 and again that number is 1513 would you like to join the panel do you have a question or a comment please share can you hear me yes we hear you this is Aretha, and I do have a comment, and I do have a question. My comment to you, Kimberly, is you didn't stay quiet. My comment to you is what you're doing today 
is is going to help so many people, men and women. You know, our stories, your story and my story is similar. And I realized that since my sister passed in April, that no matter how hard things can get or difficult, the voice that we carry is very important to the next person, your children, their children, the difficulties that they might have in this world are also ever-increasing every day we wake up. But, Kim, I want you to know that I'm on my laptop. I'm Wednesday night, 7 o'clock is prayer night for me, a Bible study. But I would not miss your testimony and you being able to tell your story. Um, I'm very, very elated and proud to know you. Um, I don't I haven't seen you face to face yet, but that's coming. And I want to ask you when you were fourteen and your stepbrother, it was a, a thing that we as children do not know what a grooming what a grooming is called a grooming when people are nice to you and they're giving you money and they're taking for you and we're thinking they're being nice and 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 but that's their way of knowing how to gain trust. Uh, considering I am a survivor myself, and I do know the steps now of molestation and how it gets to get the trust of a child, because I was one um, at ten years old, lasting for um, two years to twelve. I wanted to ask you, Kim. How long did the molestation go, and how old was he over you? How many years he was over you? Uh, let's see. I want to say he's, let me see, I'm 52. I want to say he's like six or seven years older than me. He was out of high school. Uh, I want to say two years, maybe. One two years. Yeah. When it started? I want to say he was 21. Um, I was 14, 15, yeah. So he was was between six or seven. He was between six and seven years older um, than I was. And I want to say it happened three to four times. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't a, a, a long thing because because what I started doing was I started going to sleep on the couch if my sister wasn't home. I stopped sleeping in the room until she came home. After that third or fourth time, I was like, I I, I stopped. I asked him to stop. I asked him to not come in. He came in one more time and said that he wouldn't do it again. And he was sorry. I didn't take the chance. I just started sleeping on the couch until my sister came home. That, and from that ended. When did it end? Like when you moved out, or yeah? Because after once I found out that I was pregnant, it was right around the time we were out of school. Summer school we had just gotten out, 
And after I got the abortion and everything, then I probably like, I want to say two weeks later, because it was summertime, time for me to go to my grandmother's house, but they wanted me to stay there until after, you know, I recovered or whatever. And then I moved and went to my grandmother's house and started living with her. Did he know that it was his, did he even talk about, did y'all even conversate about you being pregnant? I did. I, I can remember um, where I was. Honestly, I was coming down the stairs, the upstairs is where the bedrooms were. I was coming down the stairs, and he was coming up the stairs, and um, I looked at him, and I said, you know you did this. You know that I was pregnant by you. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and pushed me and went on to the room and closed the door. So to this to this very day he denies it because it came back up in uh, 2009 when I moved back to Augusta. It it came up then and he denied it, called me, cursed me out, you know, all kind of stuff. Yeah, he, but he still denies it to this very day. Now let me ask you this, Kim: Have you forgiven him? That's the only way I could move on. That's something. And I think what took me so long is listening to other people's story about not being able to forgive. Um, once I prayed and cried and prayed and cried and um, asked God to please give me the heart to forgive him because it's, I can't do anything about it. It was hurting my marriage. It was hurting me um, being intimate. Um I was fearful when um, I would go see my dad if he would come over there. It I was I was in bondage, so mm-hmm. I forgave him and listened to my ex husband. He's like, "How do you talk to him? How do you go around him when we go there? You sit there. What am I supposed to do?" My dad almost uh, I didn't talk to my dad for like two three weeks when it came out in two thousand and nine. You know, because he for whatever reason, um, well, you know, she's going through a divorce. Her marriage is bad, so she probably wants yours to mess up too. So what was I supposed to do? I didn't have my mother. My, You know, my grandmother at this time, she's in a nursing home. You know, my brother, who I love dearly, he even had something to say, but everybody was very quiet about telling me what my brother had to say because he was the closest thing to me. So what was I supposed to Who was I supposed to talk to? So, yes, I have forgiven him. I'm not around him by myself. My kids are not around him by themselves or any of that. But to my surprise, because I had so much anger in him, in me for him, but to my surprise, when I knew I had forgiven him was when I could seriously sit in the same room and not get up and walk out because that's what I used to do. I never would walk in front of him. Um, I used to, when I was going home around them, my dad, I would make sure I wore clothes that covered my body up because I didn't want him to look at me. It was bad. So people ask me, how do you talk to him to this day? Because I can't say I trust and believe God, and I don't know how to forgive that's that's the biggest test of my life was 
to forgive him. And I use the word, and y'all have heard me use the word before on the show, embrace. People don't want to embrace what happened to him because it's so hurtful. It's so, excuse me, it's embarrassing. It's depressing. For some people, it's suicidal. So you don't want to embrace it, but what else are you going to do with it? Mm. So I learned how to embrace it, although I don't like it. And when I learned how to embrace it, although I don't like it, it made me remember, and that's why I say this all the time, that's where I get this from. You have to trust the process even when you don't understand it. You have to trust the process. So in me trusting the process, I forgive him. I talk to him to this very day. Would I like to have a one-on-one with him again? I would. But do I think it will get me anywhere? It won't. So he has to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, that, that Mr. process. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, that, you're gonna say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was well, gonna I was say. Just, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna say. You know, um, the belief, Kim, may not be a word for you. But I definitely want to know, I want you to know something. Mm -hmm. At the end of all of it, you do belong to the Lord. Right. That's right. Okay. I want Mm -hmm. you to know that you belong to him. And at the end of it all, even through the the trauma, even through the molestation, the embarrassment, um, the shame, I want you to know he didn't leave you. He didn't leave you. You know, the forgiveness is so important that it's not going to be, ever be for for that person to receive it, but it's going to definitely, as you say, and I concur with you, it sets us free. Yeah. Forgiveness is us. It sets us free from the torture that was tried. It was tried to to keep you in the generational curse. It was trying to make you a bitter mother to your children that you have today and and do the same thing that you it was trying to. All it can do is try, try. And I'm passionate about it right now because to hear your voice tell your story to me is rain so deep. Because we believe sometimes that we hear alone and we're not, you're never alone. You're never alone. I want you to know the same the same message you gave to Don. I am definitely here for those times that you think you can't talk to anyone or you don't have anyone. You can definitely call me or me or I'm definitely here. I don't have my sister any longer, the one that we shared abuse with. And I I know about generational curses, lady, carrying it, uh, not being able to have a successful relationship, feeling nasty, uh, doing damage to yourself because you don't feel worthy. I I know about all of that. And I'm thankful that I am uh, on the panel with you. I am the, the the, uh, keeping it real with Kim and the crew, and I will support you, lady, to the day I die. 
I want you to know that I love you. And you just keep going, lady. God got you. Thank you so much, Aretha. And and I know without a shadow of a doubt, everything that you said um, is 100% true. And I know that you are there for me. We've had that conversation, those conversations, and I am here for you as well. And thank you so much. You're welcome, lady. Thank you so much uh, for those words of encouragement and support. We have to remember that, you know, coming forward and sharing your story is never an easy thing to do. And you always need a community of people that support you and love you and encourage your healing. So we just want to thank you all for sharing. Um, I had a couple of questions for you, um, Ms. Kimberly. Did you get a chance to ever tell your parents about this? I'm, I think you said you told your mom and she didn't believe you or something like that, but did you tell your parents, other family members, any friends at school? Who did you tell? So... um Starting back when it happened, the only person I told at that time was my grandmother. And then when I started school um, there with her, I had a best friend, and she and I became very close. And so I shared with her what happened and told her it was my stepbrother and asked her not to say anything. Just be careful. You know, if you come down and spend time with my brother, you know, don't go entertain him and stuff like that. So that's why I told her because she was at my grandmother's house a lot. We did a whole lot together. And um, that was it as far as family members. So this same November day that I was just speaking of earlier, when I was sitting in the car talking to my mom, that came up as well. And what she said to me was, you never told me it was him. Because if you had told me, I would have taken you out of the house. And I told her, I thought I did. I said, but if I did not tell you, even the fact of knowing that your daughter was pregnant, whether you knew it was molestation or not, why didn't you pull me back in your house? I said, the reason why you didn't pull me back in your house is because you didn't care. So she didn't have too much to say on that after that part, you know, other than she was sorry. She thought she was raising me the best that she could. My brother had left, and when I left, it really hurted her. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, Kim. I can't change it. For me, to be honest, (laughs) do I think my mother whole heart meant that? No, not at all. I don't. I feel like my mother puts on a show. She's a good person. Let me say this. I give people credit where credit is good. She's a good person, loving person to others. But when it came down to me, it was a different story. My brother was in and out of jail, prison, you name it. He was a street person, sold drugs for 25 years. He got in trouble. She packed up bags, boxes, got lawyers, everything. When it came down to Kimberly, no, ma'am. She told me I would get in situations that I didn't have to and my father would get me out. But I later found out that my mother that raised me was jealous of my biological mother. 
because she too was spoiled. She had the world. And so what happened with Kim? Kim came out the same way. I I have a father, a brother, and a grandmother. They spoiled me up and my grandmother spoiled me up until she went in the nursing home. And I was grown with my own children. My grandmother went to nurse home at 35. I was 35. So when I looked at it and I found out background and history of those two first cousins, I said, no wonder she treated me the way she did. And that's why I tell people I feel like I was put in the middle of their mess. Wow. Um. Wow. So I have another question for you. So now your mom, you told your mom, did you ever tell your dad? I didn't tell my dad until 2007. I can remember where I was. (laughs) We had just came back from Augusta. And my ex-husband was having one of his kids. Well, how you sit there and talk to him? And he did this and he did this. And I don't believe he did this. So he said, well, if you tell the truth, call he called my father Bo. He said, call Bo. Call Bo right now and tell him. All the kids in the car. So I said, okay, I don't hide too much from my kids, so I'll go ahead and call. So I told my dad. At that time, my stepbrother was had moved in back in with my dad because his now wife was in nursing school in Columbia, South Carolina. And so I told my dad, and he was like, I know that, whatever, whatever, didn't do that, and He'd been living in my house all this such and such time. I'm going to put him out when he get him and do this. I mean, he was going on like he was going to fire him up. And guess what? He did nothing. My stepbrother never left the house. My stepbrother never knew we even had the conversation. So when I moved back home in 2009, my stepbrother's wife, mother used to keep me at the church in the church daycare. So she's been knowing me since I was a child, a toddler. So we had just, I'll never forget, I have somewhat of a good memory. We were on Richmond Hill Road in Augusta, and we were in at a red light, and she said, Kim, I have a question. And I said, yes. She said, why did they used to call you the devil of the house? I said, what? She said, I've been knowing you since you was a child. She said, and you know, I don't care nothing for them. I just love my husband, but I don't care nothing for my, you know, her mother-in-law, her, her sister. She said, but I know you, and I used to take up for you and defend you. Like, why are y'all talking about her like this? Kim is, is a good, has a good heart, this and the other. And I said, well, Tanya, I don't know why they call me the devil of the house. And she said, and then... She said, they talked about when you got pregnant, you was liking this uncle and that uncle. I said, what? And I said, Tanya, you know, I really didn't want to bring this to you because you're married and we're like, you and I are like family. I said, but you want to have this conversation? I'll I'll give you the conversation of me getting pregnant. And she said, give it to me. So I told her, I said, well, your husband was the father of that child. He impregnated me. And she looked at me. She started screaming and crying, and she was like, what? She said, you know that happened to my sister. She said, I love you. She said, I'm so sorry. She said, I'm telling you, you do what you have to do. She said, I will tell you this. She said, because it hits home. 
She said, you do what you have to do, and when I get home, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to get into it. She said, but I'm telling you, I can't tell you that I'm going to leave my husband. She said, but I will tell you you do. She said, but what I will tell you is you do whatever you feel you need to do, and I'll stand behind you. She said, but I can't tell you I'm going to leave my husband. She said, but I do want to hear his side of the story. Um, We live right up the street from each other, seven houses. This man called me going off. I mean, going off, cussing me out. I allowed you in my house to come see my wife, and we did this, and this is what you want to do, and why you want to bring this lie back up? And I mean, he was he was going crazy, but he still won't own the phone. So he's still not uh, admitting to what was done. Well, you did no. your part, part, and you did what you needed to do. Um, so, so your mother believed you, but your father didn't believe you. Um. I this is the thing with my dad. My dad by him and and this is what I get from my dad. My dad um my dad loves me. My dad will still do for me if I call him to this very day. But my dad has wrapped himself so much around his step family that to him they're the greatest thing walking around. And that's the best way I can put it. Thank you for sharing, sharing so much with us. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you start telling your story? I know you said you did some radio. You know, this was a lot. This is this is a heavy testimony. And a lot of people, they suffer in silence. They, You know, the suicide rate is steadily going up. It's a very, very, very serious uh, situation that people are dealing with. And so... Your transparency is not only helping people to be able to come forward, but it's helping to save lives, okay? I can say that because I'm a suicide survivor, and I lost my sister to suicide, and she, too, was a child sexual abuse survivor. Unfortunately, um, she lost the battle. Uh, it's, a, it's a very heavy thing, okay? So some people survive, you know, but some people don't come out on the other side. How did you get to a point where you went from fighting this battle to helping others fight the battle. Well, let me tell you this right quick. Um, For a quick second, suicide. Um, And I called my brother and told him. Well, he called my mother. And you know what she told him? Your daughter, your your sister's not going to commit suicide. If she wanted to commit suicide, she would just go ahead and do it. Your sister just wants attention. Right. Many people think that people who talk about it or share it want attention, and that's, that's not it. So when he told me that, I said, you know, this lady really doesn't care anything about me, so I'm going to have to care about myself a little bit more. And that's where I left that. Um, at that time, for me and and me talking about it, like I said, my main thing is I love on people. I am so big with loving on people. I have given out of my house to help others, taken away from my bills. I have moved people into my house. Um, 
several times, my son's friends. Uh, in 2017, when we went through a hardship and had to live in a hotel, the worst hotel on Old Dixie Highway, uh, my son had a friend that got kicked out, and I wasn't working, had to go through my savings. I allowed this little boy to come and live with us. So instead of feeding three children, I'm feeding four plus myself. So that was that's that's always been my thing to talk and help people and try to get hopefully they won't feel rejected. I can go anywhere. I used to tell people if a rock could talk back to me, I would have a conversation with a rock because that rock might be tired of getting kicked around or thrown in and out the water. So that's just uh, what I've done. And for me, that's been my therapy. I don't hold things in. I just do not believe in holding it in. And so I talk about it. I share it. And I have come to a place in my life that I am so safe and secure with me. I never knew I used to walk with my head down. Sometimes I catch myself now with my head down. My mother used to say, hold your head up, hold your head I'm like, it is. She's like, no, it's not. So even now at 52, sometimes I have to remember, hold your head up because I used to hold it down. In the moments that I needed my mother, my mother wasn't there. I graduated high school. My mother did not come. She was getting her hair done, and she told me I wouldn't graduate, and I did. So I tell people, I have if if my mother can teach me and, and do me the way she did, she taught me that the world can do you the same way. So if you can make it past what I'm doing, you should be able to make it. She didn't say that, but that's how I took it. If a lady that took me in to raise me as her own can close the door and never welcome me back into her house, when I need her in my most desperate moments, she's not there, then what do you think the world can do to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. How did you get to a place where you felt comfortable sharing your story? on the radio, because then you went on to go on a higher platform. I mean, talking about it in private rooms is hard. Talking about it in groups, private groups, is still hard. But going on a platform where you're on the radio and you're reaching more people, how did you, how did you think get to that place? How were you able to do that? Because I felt like I had to stop allowing my mother to win. I had to stop allowing my stepbrother to win. It was time for Kim to win this battle. So I was okay with mm-hmm. with the world. And and, and it's, fun, it's not funny, but you asked me that question, and would you believe before I went on my show, the very first show I did, I called my mother, and mm-hmm. I told her what I was about to do. And do you know what she said? She said, Kim, I don't have a problem with you sharing your story. Just don't make nobody look bad. So I hung up with her, and I called my father, and I told him. And he said, I'm happy for you. Do what you need to do. I said, He said, well, did you call your mother? I said, yeah, and you know what she said? And when I told him, he said, well, you know she's talking about herself. That's why she told you that, because she don't want her friends to hear the inside of the part that they don't know, and she don't want the church people because my mother's a, a, a pastor now. She wasn't a pastor 
when I was growing up. She, my son is 22. She's been a pastor for 23 years now. But, yeah, she told me to go ahead. Just don't make anyone look bad. Mm. Wow. So now that you're doing this on the radio, and, you know, you have your Zoom groups and you're, you're, you have a lot of different movements that you've been able to lead forward. Now that you're doing that, um, have you had any pushback from the family? Um, when I, well, no. Um, I don't, I have, I don't. I've shared my mother, number one, she listened to one or two shows before, and then that was it. Um, when I, she claimed she was going to pop into one of my Zooms one night, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. So my family. Um, on my mom's side, really, are the ones that, well, everybody knows the background. But I try not to involve them too much with certain things because I don't want them to feel like they have to pick a side because my aunt and my uncle, they know her. And that's one of the things one of my aunts just said recently is when I was telling her about the phone call and my mother doesn't answer, she said, well, Kim, you know, she does us the same way. Your mother has been like that. Um, We just deal with it. So, if they're just dealing with it and they're okay with the pop-up phone calls whenever she feels like it, I let them have that. So a lot of stuff I just try not to entertain them with when it comes down to my mother and I or my show or whatever. My family is supportive, but I just I don't even really bother them with it. Can't hear you. Hey, sorry about that. Um, have you had, have you learned of any trauma that she's probably had in the past or, you know, heard of just anything that helps you to go, oh, that's probably why she's like that. And and so you kind of can kind of feel bad for her in a way. Do you have anything that you've learned about her that she's been through? Why she's that way, not just with you, but with other people? Because that's not normal, a lot of times. The only thing is, um... She's the oldest of six children. Her father passed when she was in high school. And so she, Mm. uh, my grandmother worked worked from 3 to 11. And so my mother had to come home from school and be the the parent. She had to cook dinner, clean house. She had to do all those things. And my grandmother told me that she felt like that's the reason why my mother has the ways that she has. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what she had to do to provide for her children, worked that shift, and my mother had to take on that role. So my grandmother told me a lot of times, you know, she used to tell me, stop thinking it's you without mm-hmm. saying it's your mother. She used to tell me that all the time, stop thinking it's you. Right. You have to right. you have to look in it's other people. And I didn't get that until I got older and she mm-hmm. finally broke it down. She was like, I was trying to tell you without telling you, but now you're older and you're getting it. So that's the only thing I can think right. of because yeah, that's that's it. But same time, my mother is partial toward boys because she did a lot for my brother. Um, even when it came down to my stepsister on that side, she she has two kids. My mother did a lot for her son. But when it came down to my son, because he was me, he's a part of me. She didn't do as much, and then. Mm-hmm. 
boys in our family, she did a lot. Now, I have a cousin that grew up next door to us, and it was his mother that just passed recently. And he told me, I said, I need to, I said, I called my mom and um, to talk to her. He said, I don't want to hear that. He said, you know, I don't like your mama. He said, I know that's your mother. He said, but Kim, I don't like the way your mother did you. And she ran you and Kevin away from me when y'all were all I had because he's the only child. And he was like, I don't mean no harm. I know that's your mom. She said, but I don't like her because of how she did you. So people know. People know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you said something that was very, very powerful. A lot of times people who have been through trauma and what have you will reflect some of that on us. And it's not us. It really has to do with what they've been through. Maybe they were, um, they saw their parents favoring the boy or, but another thing I was going to say to you is a lot of people will not help those who they think are strong. And so I know you talked a little bit about jealousy and things like that. And it doesn't have to be that, she was, she was jealous because I don't know the situation. But a lot of times people will be like, oh, she's strong. She got it. She's strong. Because, you know, your brother was, you said he was in and out of jail. He was needy. He was this. He was that. So then they were helping, 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 helping. And it's not that you're strong. It's that you forced to survive. It's not that, you know, you're forced to be strong because you, you don't want to fail. You don't want to uh, let your children down. But some people on the outside will see it. You're strong. You don't need the help. Uh, and a lot of times when we're strong to survive only, sometimes we get the worst end of the stick. So I'm sorry that you even had to go through that. And I'm just uh, I'm just so inspired strength. Sometimes I get tired of people telling me, you're so strong, you're so strong. I'm like, Lord, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> So you know, I can relate to that. <laughs> I don't mean to right. be the one to say that you're so strong when I know that that's hard. Sometimes you like roll your eyes in the back of your head like, I know, but, you know. But I do, um, I want you to share. Uh, we have three minutes left on the dot, so 258, okay. 255. Okay. Yeah. okay. I want you to share how people can get a hold of you and the name of your show. And before that, uh, tell us uh, the name of the last show, the new show, and how people can find you. Okay, you say the last show. Um, so right now we do a Zoom um, on Tuesdays, um, and it, it's a call-in each and every Tuesday. It's the same. And I guess, Nicole, if you would have to share that um, with, with your people if they're interested um, for them to join. Um, I'm Kimberly Stapleton, Kimberly I'm Real on Facebook. I'm Kimberly I'm real on Instagram as well as uh, what's the other one? TikTok. So those who are Kimberly, I'm real, and then Kimberly Stapleton on Facebook, and that's how I can be reached. Um, if anyone wants to call, uh, for those that don't have my number, um, it's four zero four four eight two eight zero nine six, and my email is Kimberly, I'm real. Zero four at gmail dot com. Kimberly, I'm real. Zero four at gmail dot com. And I know that you um, have an inspiration to start a nonprofit. You have a minute and a half. If you can just tell us what that dream is, and thank you for sharing. 
Well, the nonprofit um, is to be able to assist uh, mothers and fathers, but help out with uh, women who have children living in regular homes, and I want to help them know that they are somebody, they're special, they're beautiful. So um, I want to talk to them, coach them along about knowing what it means to love yourself unconditionally. And then I also, I plan on partnering with um, barbers and hairstylists to help them know um, that they can enhance their beauty, but the beauty comes from within. And we'll do trips and things like that. And also, Kimberly, um, keeping it real with Kimberly and the crew, we're going to be going to different cities and states and also doing a panel as we're doing on March 18th here in Decatur, Georgia. For sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story. We hope to have you come in again. And um, we can get a little bit deeper on to what you're doing in the community. There's so much to give back. You and the crew It's not just you, you and your crew. Um, I've had the pleasure to join you guys, uh, some of you guys last night, and I really enjoyed myself. But again, we thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and being supportive to Ms. Kimberly. And uh, we just pray that God blesses you all, and have a good night. Thank you, Ms. Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you, and have a good night, everyone. Thank you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.